0: Let's go.
1: I sell products, not advertising. This monkey business is in your blood, under your skin. You're getting okay. now you just getting in. You're only getting started. People will me. what I tell them to think.
0: Oh, have I got your attention now? You have part of my
1: attention. You have the minimum amount. This guy's got the right idea.
0: Why don't we begin?
1: Target locked and ready. Bombs away! Welcome back, or welcome to another episode of Pod Sessions with me, your host, Mitch Fanning. For those listening for the first time in this bi weekly podcast, my goal is to have meaningful, no BS conversations with interesting people covering a variety of topics, including business. Marketing and Personal Growth. Now, before I introduce today's guest, I want to take the opportunity to say that this will probably be my last episode in 2018, but plan to start back up in 2019 in January. I'd also like to take this opportunity to not only wish everyone a safe and happy holiday season, but to thank everyone who has listened to the show, been a guest, or just supported it by giving their feedback or even just a word of encouragement. It really means a lot to me and it's been the oxygen that's kept me going so for that i'm grateful in this episode i speak with peter gillette a serial entrepreneur who is currently the founder and ceo of zuon a mobile lead capture platform that allows sales teams to quickly capture lead data at events right from an ios device which then can be instantaneously synced up to a marketing automation platform and CRM like Eloqua or Salesforce. Now, besides the fact that Zouan can not only relieve, you know, sales teams from the agony of having to upload their leads manually after an event, or that data can actually go right into a pipeline so that teams can be in a better position to close deals and realize ROI faster from event marketing, which is something that many companies still struggle with, what's actually most refreshing is that in a world where some MarTech solutions are just plain hard to figure out from just looking at their website regarding, you know, where they might fit into your tech stack. Zuon's unique value proposition and use case is extremely simple to understand. And from watching some of the customer videos, you get a sense that it just works. And after having had a conversation with Peter, I also got the sense that simplicity, focus, and speed really sit at the core of everything that he and Zuant does. It actually reminded me of a slogan that operators in the special forces use, which is quote, slow is smooth, smooth is fast, end quote. Now I don't have any military experience, but what fascinates me is how certain special ops teams like the U.S. Navy SEALs approach mindset, strategy, and team building. And in this case, with this slogan in mind, if you can imagine a special ops team moving through an urban environment, and if you looked closely at how they were moving, it's something between a walk and a run with each operator covering a portion of their 360-degree environment, with the whole formation gliding from building to building in unison in the most Most efficient and effective manner possible, and this image is something that I I get when I think of Peter, his team, and Zuan. Agile, focused, yet deadly effective. Needless to say, it was a fascinating conversation, and as we all plan for the upcoming year, the theme of this episode is something I'll definitely be pondering over during the holiday season. So, without further ado, let's get into it. Uh, We now have visual on target. So, Peter. Welcome to the show.
0: Thanks, Mitch. Good to be on board.
1: So, Peter, you're a serial entrepreneur who runs two successful global companies, and I think at one point you ran four. From speaking with you and just listening to some of the other interviews, you seem to have this unlimited source of energy. <laughs> so, I thought I'd kick off the conversation by asking you... Where does all this energy come from?
0: I don't know. I think I'm fortunate enough to be born with it. And uh, the older you get, the more you want to look after it, don't you? So keep fit, keep racing, and uh, keep pushing the team here to to feel the same way.
1: So there's no, like pill that you're taking uh, that no one is aware of. But in all seriousness, how do you manage your your time or or deal with overwhelm? And I, it almost feels like you do it better than most.
0: Um, certainly, I'm a fan of the old business time system. So sort of always used to take myself off for training on some of those courses. I think it was a Danish system that was originally developed. And, and we just kept that going because we're all digitally obsessed, aren't we? And there are just some things that I think it's good to have a have a system like that so you can sit down without your phone in the morning and list out the things, you know, the A-time specials, the, the things, the priorities that just absolutely must happen today, uh, the other things you'd like to do, and then always just keep pushing the, the unimportant items further back. And, I, you know, we're all different. I've, you know, I'm, a, I'm an early person, like to get up early, particularly in the summer when it's when it's quiet and uh, get your thoughts together, get your plans, get any of those articles written, that sort of thing before breakfast. Then maybe a little training run and then uh, hit the office by sort of half past 9, 10 a.m., knowing that the whole day is already organized so I can just cruise from there and, and enjoy it.
1: Well, you make it sound really easy. Um, you mentioned a time system, and it was one that I'm not familiar with. And I'm a, I'm a bit of a time management nerd, uh, or geek. Uh, can you can you just tell me again what that time time management system was? Yes,
0: um, it was there's a book. I think, if I remember rightly, um, authored by a chap called James Noon, and uh, he developed the whole sort of a time principles. And, and there was a company based in Copenhagen that then put it into a whole range of sort of business accessories. And, th- th- you know, this was out, um, you know, before the Filofax became popular about 20 years ago and certainly right. before the Palm Pilots and, and uh, mobile phones were even thought about. But it's funny, our millennial team we have here actually enjoy using these systems. They come in a nice leather-bound uh, mini um, sort of book format with interchangeable pages. And uh, it, it's, I think they find it refreshing to have, have pen and paper and keep notes and, and then record to digital where you need to. So although I love tech and we all love tech here, actually, it's a, it's a nice counterpoint, I think, in the day.
1: Yeah, I think sometimes we complicate things with technology. I think sometimes doing things in analog just to get out the result that you need, I think sometimes is just kind of the, the best way to go.
0: Yeah. And and I it, it's disappointing to see so many people these days seem to be ruled by their phones and you know, just walk along a busy street in any city and and you know, it's very easy for for people just to walk into you because they've just got their hands locked in position with their head down, almost like zombies. And, I, you know, there's a world out there to breathe and listen to. and, And I think there's a time and a place for this stuff.
1: Yeah, I have to admit, I've I've watched a few of those videos where they walk into to uh, the stop signs. Um, (laughs) So (laughs) when I when I need a, (laughs) so so I'm I'm guilty as charged. I also have something that I do similar to you in terms of just making sure I, I prioritize in the morning. But the point is, it seems like you have this focus, and I almost think that that's the key is if you're able to start your day off right. Like everyone's different, everyone has their own approach. But it's almost like being able to take that time in the morning. Doesn't matter how long, even if you only have ten, twenty minutes, you know, reset set your priorities over time you can acquire that focus.
0: Yeah, for sure. No, it, it, it works well. And and it might not work well for the people. You know, some of our tech guys don't I don't think their brains wake up until the afternoon and but they'll probably be, <laughs> you know, caffeinated through to the small hours of the morning and uh working you know away and we're all different aren't we
1: no, absolutely yeah before we kind of switch gears and talk a little bit more about zuon you know it also seems like you know in your day to day you are very involved in you know product development and innovation at the same time you're also heavily involved obviously in, in marketing and sales and you know in your experience and maybe not uh, at zoom but but maybe also but just in general how important do you feel it is to have that alignment between these teams uh, specifically the product development team or the product dev team and
0: and the marketing and sales it's vital isn't it sales and marketing you know if they're keen and enthusiastic team they they're ready and and they've got products and services they want to sell before they've even been mentioned to the tech team you know in any company that's pushing ahead you're going to have that frustration, really, isn't it? Because yeah. Tech always takes twice as long as you think it's going to, to, to be developed and tested. And so, yeah, they have to be aligned. And sales and marketing sitting around the table with the key tech representatives needs to be well chaired to keep things moving
1: yeah, and it, it definitely feels like there's alignment. Maybe that's just because you're heavily involved in both. The, the Zoom product just feels like it works and it wasn't built by someone who thought this might work. It almost feels like it was based on either anecdotal or just feedback from people who saw a problem in the market. And it, it just seems like what you've developed is exactly what was needed. So it almost feels like there was that integration right off the, from the beginning. The the other thing I wanted to ask you before we again we talk about the product and get into the weeds on that is you know obviously seeing as you're headquartered in the UK but have locations in North America, I'm just curious to get your take on how you feel the European or UK tech or even business scene differs from the one in, in North America.
0: It's fascinating because on the, I mean, I would treat great Britain and this is nothing to do with Brexit. uh, God forbid um, treat our country as, as being different from the European scene. So we
1: can, we'll split those two.
0: (laughs) Yes, yes, for sure. So it's, it's, um frustrating really because the great britain uk you know all the countries in our alliance um have produced over the centuries fantastically innovative people and, and fabulous engineers uh you know from the industrial revolution onwards through to the jet engine and so on but the sales and marketing guys don't seem to ever have got out of bed. Because imagine having those brilliant products and then being able to go out and sell them. You know, the first jetliner just was pushed through and had terrible, well, a lot of horrible crashes, weren't there, with the old uh, Comet before the Americans got it right. So um, that, that is a frustration, but there are still very talented people over here. And um, at the same time, we look to the US, certainly in the marketing world, especially for, um, you know, that leadership. I mean, direct marketing uh, was, was invented and developed in the US, you know, 10 years before we really got going in Europe then, if we're talking about that, the wider continent, Um, and I think, you know, the the same is true of, um, uh, CRM systems, um, marketing automation. So that, that leadership is, is clearly there. And, uh, so it is still the case that Europe's 10 years behind, I think, in, in really embracing these, these systems and, uh. And, you know, being able to, to sell into that market. So for us in the UK, we've got the technicians, they're super guys, I'm talking about Zuant now, but our market is in the US. And the timing is good because these days with phone and web meetings and Skype, you know, you can be next door to someone uh communicating and doing business just as easily as if you were literally just down the road. So That's changed and that gives us a a good opportunity. So traveling five hours from London to Boston to uh, go to an event is just as easy as the five or six hours it takes to get to Dubai um, for some Middle Eastern events. And uh, so it gives the UK a really good strategic advantage being between these two landmasses, I think, and and the way the business is developing.
1: Well, you definitely have the pod on, in Heathrow. So that's something that's I don't think Toronto has. Toronto Airport has. So you're, you're, you're definitely ahead of us there. We love the pod. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the pod is great. So the second thing I wanted to talk about, though, is I read that you created the first web-based CRM with Lucent Technologies in the 90s. That, to me, I noticed a lot of people who have talked to you and interviewed you might have just kind of glazed over that. But to me, that's... That's fascinating. So could you, can you tell me just a little bit about that and kind of that time and, and what was going on?
0: Sure. No, I mean, that, it all sounds very grand, but um, when I came across the Internet for the first time in the sort of mainstream commerce, um, you know, we've been in business for, for 15 years by then, and, and we've been using a variety of different Systems, even pre-PC. You know, we're going back to uh, mini computers from Wang and, and Prime Nate, brands that, that you know most people haven't even heard of now. Um, and so that idea of linking CRM data, uh, you know, not just between countries in Europe but globally, was was a very exciting thing. And it and actually to us, it just looked too simple we thought there was a a catch here and uh, i i remember you know when we first had the product and we were going around to different presentations i wish i'd recorded some of the comments from our clients and prospective clients who 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 would often say you know while we were waiting for the modem to screech and scorch away <laughs> connecting to, to the internet and um, and they'd sort of shake their heads and say no this this internet thing is never going to take off. And I'd love to be able to play that back now. There are there were, there were times when you just need to keep your head down and wait because all technology speeds up, doesn't it, invariably. And uh, so we, no, we had great success with that, that product and, and still do. It's just evolved over the last 25 years now, I suppose. And uh, we've had clients using that system for, you know, some of them still for 20 years now. So it goes on being developed. um, And it goes back to that earlier point. If we'd been a bit more outgoing about marketing it at the time, um, it could have been a, a strong contender alongside Salesforce, which hadn't even been thought of in those days.
1: No, absolutely. That's what I was thinking. I mean, it was first. So when I first read that, that was immediately what I had thought. Right? So I, I I have to stay with this for a little bit. So a couple of things I can just imagine, you know, the modem, you know, <laughs> kind of trying to connect and you guys, no, wait, no, we've got something good for you. We just <laughs> we yeah. have to connect. So that was, that's, <laughs> and, and the second is, so I'm going to ask just a really maybe silly question, but at that point, was it trying to connect their in-house contact database with what you had, or would they have had to somehow import it into kind of the web-based version that you had at that time?
0: Well, it was really a suite of services that were linked to to the system, and uh, it would be you know, some of our, our international clients—they had data on all sorts of different systems in different countries right. for for the sales teams and, and marketing teams, and uh, so they—it was a the case of importing spreadsheets, downloading data. So it was replacing local, disorganised, so-called CRM systems, importing it all into this one giant uh, global. System and then providing a service to to map it to a DMB database to make sure the addresses were right and uh, add SIC codes and you know just help them visualize the percentage of the market that they were um, dealing with already and maybe gave you a strategy to import more data to target more people faster uh, so it was it was not just a web-based CRM system now known as a cloud uh, CRM, it, it, right. it had all these other services that, that were connected to, to it to improve sales fitness of business-to-business giants. That, that was the whole plan. And it goes back to my earlier point. One of the reasons we stalled is it's very different, difficult outside the U.S., with a sales or marketing product to compete with the scale that's available in the U.S. I mean, Salesforce didn't really t- get going outside the U.S. for, for many years. Right, Until exactly. it got to that uh, tipping point, and then off it goes, you know. Um, and central HQs of, of companies would say, no, we're going to roll out Salesforce globally. And, and two or three of our major clients who were quite happy running our system uh, moved to Salesforce because it was that, what we used to call the IBM decision. No one got fired for for installing IBM. Yeah, well, yeah, now exactly it's the same for Salesforce, isn't it? So it is it is difficult. And you learn from your mistakes. And our Zulon product is, although it's designed in the UK, it's delivered in the U.S., It's all configured for the U.S. We support it in the U.S. And 80% of our business is in the U.S.
1: So you mentioned, obviously you mentioned Zuan again. We've been kind of talking around it. So kind of let's let's get into it. And I guess I assume that based on your first experiences with developing that first uh, web-based CRM, I'm assuming that's how the idea of Zuant came about, or maybe you can kind of
0: shed some light on that. Uh, yes, it, it, it was, because it goes back, actually, to we've, we've had a very long-standing client, Caterpillar, and you know, it's part of our services to them was to handle responses through our call center network. And, and trade show leads, in those days, was literally a cardboard box that someone from DHL had to pick up each night full of handwritten lead forms and business cards that were meant to be stapled, but they cut loose. And we had the unenviable job of trying to pull that data together and, and type it in and distribute the leads to dealers. So that that was what triggered the original process. The precursor to Zuant was a tablet pc based version of our uh, cloud crm so as someone came onto the booth you could look up their name and contact details and if you knew them already update those records and uh, you know remove the pen and paper approach completely and that was pretty successful but when the ipad came out we suddenly went bingo this is this is a much better piece of hardware and, and system to use. So we hopped over from Microsoft to Apple and, and haven't looked back. It's been been a terrific platform, a very stable platform as well to, to develop on. And I think for the, the scale now, the number of leads we process across, you know, around the world, um, just on a weekly basis, you know, thousands of them for different clients it's, we'd be dead if it wasn't 100% reliable. So that's tempting fate. But yeah. Yeah, the the tech platform, our tech guys have said, no, we need to do this, right, we need to do this, right, we need to delay, it has to be perfect. And uh, I i I know inside myself, however frustrating it is that they are correct.
1: So in your words, Let's just talk about Zuon. Tell me a little bit about it. You know, obviously, we've just gone through the problem that that you uncovered, and so let's talk more about the solution and, and kind of some of the use cases.
0: Sure. I mean, once again, ironically, the trade show industry, from a marketing and and, and sales point of view, and I still don't really understand this, is so old fashioned in that. You'll have event managers that build fabulous looking booths, spend a million dollars at some of the bigger shows. And, you know, as long as the CEO and his wife love the look of it, you know, job done. They're happy. And off they go yeah. and, and, and go to the next show. And, and there's no one really responsible to say, well, what's the ROI? You know, let's look at the leads. Why do we invest millions in that show? What, what have we got out of it? So that market is still evolving, which is, you know, why it's such a good catalyst and and an untapped market for for Zuant to to make sure that those leads are captured very quickly. And from our experience with marketing automation systems and partners like Eloqua, for instance, uh, their whole thing is making sure that if someone goes to your website you get an instant response if someone wants to buy something you're connected quickly through to the salespeople. why on earth shouldn't that be the true in a trade show because if someone takes the trouble to fly to a show and go to your booth you at least should have the courtesy of knowing who they are if you've they're a customer already or if you don't know them right, let's find out a little bit more about you and follow up really quickly. So we're just that digital connection. And once again, ironically, we're mainly collecting, connecting into Salesforce.com, but also other marketing automation and other CRM platforms. And of course, to our own, for those clients still using our CRM system. So that's developed very nicely. And the beauty of it is it gives the salespeople that are working at these shows a taste of Zuant and what they can do just on their smartphones. So um, that then takes us into the whole area of everyday uh, functionality for salespeople on the road, having meetings, using Zuant with all their marketing collateral on a phone connected to TV to present and always have the latest information to present, and then after the meeting, sitting in their car, scanning some business cards in, sending the thank you emails, knowing that that will happen automatically in the CRM in the background because we're connecting. So it's all about high-speed data processing from these mobile devices. That's, that's our niche, uh, which, which works really well for us and it really helps sales performance of course
1: yeah and that's the thing when i looked at Zuant and i looked at some of the videos on your site it solves a, a specific use case i just got it it was simple and i kept hearing over and over simple easy to use reliable better and and again as a marketer uh, completely got that uh, you know it integrates right with getting automation and or salesforce so that they can either be followed up on or nurtured. It, it's one of those things where, you know, it was like refreshing not to have to kind of figure out, okay, what is this thing and how to talk to somebody immediately. I got it. I saw, I saw the, the use case. I saw this, the, the benefit of it. And, and in my experience, I can remember time and time again, our, our event team would come back and it would be this huge, spike in leads (laughs) that they had, you know, cobbled in, uh, to our, our CRM that weren't very good. And, you know, we had to figure out a way to get them nurtured and into, so there was a bit of a disconnect, you know, early on when we were, we did our first few, but I could see this being a very simple solution for someone who's doing a lot of events, specifically even say user events, yeah. And they want that engagement. They want somebody in. They they want to continue that relationship. To me, Zuant is honestly a, a no-brainer in that respect. Now, one of your articles you wrote back in, I think it was August 2017, you made the comment that trade shows were back in vogue. And so I'm just curious, you know, why do you think that that is? And maybe, you know, what what do you think makes a good
0: event? Okay. I mean, those are two big questions, aren't they? I've, I think we've noticed just in the last few years how different selling is. And the, it. you know, the old days, and I'm not going back to the Mad Men agency days of of all day entertainment and a, and a lot of drinking and, and some fabulous lunches. But even more recently, you know, it would involve a flight to see a client and a, a meeting for a couple of hours and maybe a lunch as an afterthought in their canteen and, and then you'd head back. But you get to know those people face to face and have time to, you know, talk about other interests and, and it's a joy, an enjoyable exercise. And it's very rare now that we even meet our clients. And so it's all about phone calls, conference calls, web meetings. And uh, so, you know, we're looking to bring video in to bring back that sort of personality that that we now miss from uh, those sort of modern channels. So it's a long way around to say that's, I think, why trade shows and events are back in business in in a in a major way because it is a rare opportunity to actually meet uh, your customers and prospects face to face and have a discussion and if you have got good CRM data you can have whole different programs running for your VIPs and have other events running in the cities where you're exhibiting um, to interface with um, Those those prospects and customers. So I think that's 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 really the reason it, it, it puts that face to face excitement back into doing business that that's been lost
1: elsewhere. I agree. I've seen it too, and I mean I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of people are creating these user conferences because it's put, bringing all the their users, you know, bringing that community together and making that that stronger connection between the company and putting that kind of human face, you know, from the company in front of the people and, and really building and nurturing and, uh, nurturing that, that community, uh, kind of, as we come into, into a smooth landing here, there's usually a couple of questions that I ask everyone at the end. Uh, but before we get, get into that, you know, one of the things when I was doing my, my homework on you, I, I noticed there was this and I've I've almost heard it in the conversation a few times, and we've alluded to it. I've noticed that there's this pattern of speed. Uh, you know, for example, and obviously, you know, you look at your name, for example, Zuon. It comes from the Anglo-Norman word meaning light and fast. I think one of your articles that you did, you had mentioned that one of your favorite Stephen uh, Steve McQueen uh, quotes uh, was, you know, quote, racing is life. Anything before or after that is just waiting. End quote. (laughs) And uh, in in one other article, you it was was around the idea about being a fast follower regarding uh, product innovation, and you quoted that you know quote if you're going to be a fast follower, speed is paramount. Otherwise, your market opportunity will diminish as you move ahead. End quote. So. I guess the question I'm I'm asking is: Am I just imagining this, or in your mind is is speed a big factor in the importance of creating that business momentum or, or kind of business success?
0: Um, no, it, it it's definitely part of the the uh, culture, and, and very selfishly, it's because motorsport and <laughs> uh, motor motor racing has always been a passion of mine from an early age, and. Uh, And it it brings us a lot of automotive clients as well who enjoy that. And and, uh, so, yeah, we we get involved with clients if we're doing customer entertainment and so on at at, at different sports events and and have done that through through the years. And indeed, the Zuant brand um, comes from our company called High Performance Software. So you can't get away from performance and speed. And, you know, the analogies just work really well whether you're looking to get more enthusiasm and productivity from your team, whether on the account management side or the technical side. You know, as humans, we could always work faster and more productively. There's so much time wasted, Um, isn't there, that, you know, you just see day to day. So if you can just harness that, Um, then you can work hard, play hard. So I'm not suggesting this is all just for making sure that uh, the team is is glued to their desk, working really hard. It's not, it's just a way of life. And we were talking earlier about technical developments. Well, you look at the, the motorsport world, Formula One especially, you know, those guys now have to design and develop the cars the last grand prix was last weekend in abu dhabi they'll be testing by first week in march with whole new vehicles um you know some of those teams just to field two cars will have a thousand engineers and employees working really? on that it's just absolutely outstanding and and I and you often wonder how logistically do they get from one race to the next they'll be in austin texas one Weekend, the next weekend down in Mexico City, and the weekend afternoon after that in uh, in Brazil. So it's just fascinating to see how that whole it's a it's a technology race, isn't it? In that respect, so I think that's the analogy with any other tech businesses. You're just seeing high performance tech, and there's no hiding there. When the light goes green, you know you you either win or you lose. There's there's nothing in between. Do you feel like that's obviously,
1: you know, exciting to watch, but it almost, do you feel like because it's so technical and, and then there's that element of speed and like you said, you, you either, you know, you either cross the finish line first or you don't and it's kind of clear cut. Are those kind of uh, attributes or characteristics of that sport what draw you to it?
0: Uh, yes, um, but also I'm an engineer by training as well. Oh, okay. T- who likes design and marketing? So that's you know, crash those all together, and you've you it, you know, it's, uh, it 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 runs through that sport and the business really side by side. It's great.
1: That's interesting.
0: So the
1: the two kind of last questions I, I typically will ask is yeah uh, what
0: what do you believe that others disbelieve that you can actually deliver things faster than than uh, the immediate reaction might be secondly some technology is much more positive than it's made out to be uh, I, i'm a, i'm an optimist you know you look at uh, artificial intelligence and, and the immediate reaction is oh goodness you know it's going to be like terminator and, and the machines will take over but actually in in talking to and interviewing a lot of clever people you you start to realize well actually it's fantastic what it's going to enable us to do in the future so yeah very op- op- optimistic
1: i agree with your assumptions or hypotheses around ai i see that it can it can be of great benefit yes
0: the ecosystem is a worry And I hope that AI can be applied um, in lots of different ways to assist us. Um, And I was just reading today about the um, drone company that's coming up with a system to uh, follow up, you know, these terrible fires in the U.S. particularly um, and down in Australia, um, where they'll be able to drop tree saplings in the right place with the right coordinates to have the best chance of regeneration uh, you know i love the mix of tech and, and eco so if we uh, ever move on into anything else at, at zoon it, it um, hopefully could be into that sort of area
1: yeah as as humans if we're able to almost merge with ai our decision-making abilities or capabilities will will obviously greatly improve so i think that's that to me is exciting i think obviously my concern is that it's uh heavily unregulated and obviously like he had alluded to the the doomsday uh you know, argument. Uh, that's that's obviously something. But again, if if that's the case, then you know, really, what, what do we have to worry about? If it's if it if it's going to happen, then it's not <laughs> worth worrying about. Now, the the last question is, you know, where can people find out more about what you're up to?
0: Um, well, you know, classically, of course, Uh okay. We keep. Certainly, the the blog up to date with all sorts of features and articles and interviews with people. So, so that's interesting. And um, if anyone registers an interest on our our website, then um, we'll, we'll keep them up to date on developments. Um, and then we'd soon be at our big show. So we exhibit at Exhibit Alive in Vegas at the end of February, um, which is a you know a classic trade show where that whole uh, exhibitor community gets together, and that's always very successful for us and, and our opportunity to meet our clients. So you know, we're practicing what we preach in that respect.
1: Well, Peter, once again, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. It was really great.
0: No, it's a pleasure, Mitch. Thank you very much for inviting me.
1: Well, that's it for this session. For those of you who made it this far, Thank you so much. Quick reminder, the show notes will be available on my website at mitchelfanning.com. And at this stage of the game, I really only have two small requests. Number one, I'd really love to get your feedback. And you can do that by either going to iTunes and leaving a review or contacting me via email or social. Just use the hashtag MitchCast. Again, all of this can be found on my website. Because like I said before, it's really going to be your feedback that's going to give me the oxygen to keep me going in the early stages and to improve the show. Because ultimately, I want this to be something that you'll also get value from. Last but not least, if you know somebody who might be interested in being a guest on the show, please reach out and let me know as well. That's it. That's all. Until next time. Thank you so much.